Welcome to Family Law and More. My name is Bella Tate and I'm a pupil barrister here at Unit Chambers. And I'm Isabel Hawkins. I'm a consultant barrister at Unit Chambers. So following on from the previous episode, we have Fiona Flemington back on with us and she is um, an executive coach, CEO and founding member of the Insightful Coach Consultancy. Thanks so much for coming back on, Fiona. My absolute pleasure. And today we're going to be applying the knowledge that we learned in the last podcast about what the different types of imposter syndrome are with how we can manage our imposter syndrome and be the best that we can be. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, Fiona, do you have any sort of top tips for us on how to manage our imposter syndrome? Yeah, definitely. The first thing I would say as well is that every tip that I've got to give you today it doesn't matter which one of the five imposter syndrome voices you recognised, these tips apply to every imposter syndrome. So you can apply them very quickly, very easily, and they're practical as well. So I've come up with five. Um, so if it's all right, I'll take you through the five. Yes, please. And it'd be really interesting, obviously, to get your viewpoint to see what might work for yourselves as, as well. So the first thing I'd like to say, I suppose, is a statement, which is you are finite and the number of things that you could have done are infinite. Mm. So again, if your listeners take nothing away from today, remember that you are finite and the number of things you could have done are infinite. I've never met an exec yet who's got to the end of his or her to-do list. So mm. I think that's just something really important to, to remember when it comes to imposter syndrome, because two of the sort of, we call them the imposter twins is procrastination and overworking. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, so that's again, something to just to think about, which is why I wanted to say that statement right at the beginning. So tip number one I would give is boundaries. Do you have them? First of all, do you allow others to ride roughshod over them? And most of us have a start time during the day, but do you have a finish time? Interesting. So one of the things that I talk to my clients about is, so you know what time you start, but what time do you finish? And again, typically, if I observe people who work in the legal sector, their day can go on and on and on. So they might finish at six, but then they go home, they have something to eat, and then they go on again. And so their day could be 12 hours, 14 hours. I, I don't think that's unheard of for, for people who work in, in legal. So my first tip is to have boundaries and to make sure that you stick to them. Because if you don't, then other people will think, ah, actually, you know, Bella's got that boundary, but she, she doesn't, you know. She, she doesn't mean it. She doesn't mean it. Mm. And I can email her at eight o'clock at night and I know that Bella will respond. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, that is speaking to us. <laughs> just rife. I mean, that, yeah. that is the life of certainly a barrister. We're all self-employed and it's so important to have boundaries, as yeah. you say, but balancing it with yeah. firstly the volume of work, yeah. but also the unpredictable nature of the work we do. Sometimes you can't have a finished time because you've just got to carry on until the work's done. Yeah. So I think that that is a really, one important thing, but also quite difficult thing yeah. for certainly barristers to implement. Yeah. So one way you could do that is you could say, actually, there's one day a week where I'm not going to work past seven o'clock. And if your diary permits it, you might be able to identify which day that is. 
And then maybe you book yourself in for something because what mm. we tend to find is that if we commit to a, a, a class after work or we're going to go to the gym, then typically if we sign up for something, we're more likely to do it. Mm. So again, if you have to work long hours during the week, what do you do at the weekends? Mm. So again, what you might say is, look, Saturday's my day. And I'm not going to log on. I'm not going to look at my phone because technology, as we know, yeah. makes us available 24-7. But it, again, if you have a really firm boundary, which is Saturday and maybe Sunday morning, I, I won't look at my phone and I'm not going to do work. And, I, and use your out of office. You know, mm. put an out of office on that that manages expectations because yeah. I think that's also important when it comes to boundaries, which is my out of office is on. And this goes to holidays as well. I mean, I, I, I shamelessly talk to clients and say, why does your out of office say you're on holiday, but you're on con but you're contactable on a mobile? Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, bang to rights. Mm. I said, because actually you should be able to go on holiday and your organization should work well, if not better, without you in it. Yeah. So I I very much will pick up on clients and say, that's not a boundary. That's just a sign above your head saying, I'm open for 24, 24 yeah. hours a day. And even when I'm on holiday, you can contact me. And they're the expert imposter syndrome yeah. because they, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. When I was doing, um, particularly when I was doing lots of interviews for coming into pupillage, I found that my phone was a real source of anxiety for me because mm. that's the thing that told me next round interview or not next round interview. So I started to charge my phone downstairs at night. So my phone doesn't come upstairs with me to bed. I have a old Great. school, old school alarm clock. <laughs> me too. Me too. And I have, it's been really nice. Cause that means, okay, whenever time I go to bed, that's the stop time. That's the time I don't look at my phone and it's been great. So that's I really a like boundary. it. <laughs> so that's a, a really clear boundary that yeah. you've put in place there and it, and it's working for you. Yeah. So that's really important is to find a strategy, find something that works for you. And I actually um, find yeah. myself like delaying going downstairs in the morning because I know that my phone is waiting for me. <laughs> I do think that is an important link there between it being a source of anxiety and um, but also sort of needing it. And I find that because I do feel like I'm sort of open 24 seven a day because I have my emails come through on my phone. Mm -hmm. And if I have my notifications switched off, I feel really anxious because mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. oh, if something urgent comes in or something important. So sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. just check what time it is on my phone and auto and see these emails that have come through mm. from other barristers or other professionals who were up mm. working at one, two o'clock in mm. the morning. Yeah. And then, well, that's it. You're not getting back to sleep after that. So I do wonder if I should probably implement some of these boundaries, maybe just at night. Mm. I think if you just do one thing and, and exactly to your point, Isabel, you, you do it at night. You send a very clear message out, which is actually I'm prioritizing my sleep. I'm prioritizing myself because tomorrow I've got another big day. Yeah. And I've got to function ideally on seven hours sleep. And to your point, if you wake up in the night and you go to your phone, you're off to the races. Mm. Your, your brain's taking you back to work and then you're focusing on work and then you're not focusing on yourself. And again, I think it's really important for, for young females 
in the legal profession like yourself to set an example yeah. where you can. Yeah, it's so hard though. I say yeah. this knowing that I am, you know, on the precipice of entering my second six. So I don't know where my phone will be, but I, I hope, <laughs> I hope I'll keep this boundary going because I think it has been really helpful for like sleep in yeah. particular. Yeah. And I just think that if you don't respect your boundaries, how can you expect other people mm. to respect them? Mm. Oh, yeah. Food so for thought. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So my second tip would be people pleasing. Um, typically, again, I use that word a lot because we're all different, but typically if we have imposter syndrome, one of the things that we are likely to do is to people please. And I call it for myself because I have it, the disease to please. And, <laughs> um, and I think that again, if you struggle with imposter syndrome, you may recognize people pleasing tendencies in, in yourself. Now, one of the things that, again, I work with clients on is language. So if you have a propensity to be a people pleaser, instead of saying, how can I help? Say, what do you need? And there's a real difference. So if I say to you, Bella, Isabel, how can I help? I'm almost taking on accountability and responsibility of the task. Oh, interesting. But if I say to you, what do you need? That's a very different question. Yeah. Mm. Now, I've done quite a lot of reading around this and uh, a couple of my clients, you probably won't be surprised to hear, have the disease to please. Mm -hmm. And we've worked on this and it's been life changing, absolutely life changing for them. Because the other thing is that they don't volunteer for stuff. Instead of saying, how can I help? There's almost a volunteering. I'm, I'm going to get in there with you. But by saying, what do you need? That's a very different question. Mm. What do you think about that? I think that is quite a firm boundary yep. that you're putting in place there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's not to sound unfriendly. I, and again, <laughs> going back to the gender thing, I think being a young female, yep. you do have this, especially on emails. Oh, could I please just do your mind? Thank you yep. so much. I'm ever so grateful. Yep. Um, rather than just being straight to the point. Mm. Let's yep. keep this focused. Yep. What you need. Yep. Oh, of all the ones, that's the one that I would think I probably need to do. Yep. I think that I am definitely a people pleaser. Yep. I will. And I, I just think that's a really important way to think about where the onus on the person yep. is in that, you know, how can I help versus what do you need? Yeah. The onus is on the asker. Yeah. And that's, that's important to think about. Yeah. yeah. Because... Also, as again, what you find is that saying, isn't it? You know, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Oh, that phrase. And, <laughs> and, and you're already busy. Yeah. So actually you're not, you're not looking to take on other people's work because you've got enough managing your own. Yeah. Mm. So by saying, what do you need? You can also manage expectations because if someone says, well, actually what I need is I need you to be, you know, in this place by this time, you can say that I'm not able to do that. I can't mm -hmm. meet that need. Mm -hmm. And that's very clear. Yeah. Wow. So language is really important. Yeah, it is really important. I mean, so, it is in our job, so it makes sense. To, <laughs> it makes sense that language is important here yeah. as well. Yeah. So try that for size. I, I, that, as I said, for mm -hmm. a, an, a couple of my clients, it, it, you know, I sound like an American chat show host, but it, but it has been life changing for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. been, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, tip number three would be visioning. Now, Bella, if you might know a bit about this, because we were talking off air about yeah. that you've read, but yeah. a lot of actors and athletes do a visioning technique. Ah, uh, yes. 
So as I said, we are not very, we, we're quite good at beating ourselves up as human beings and we're not very good at being forgiving. Mm-hmm. So if we vision success, it can make a real difference. So what, again, what I would do with clients is I say to them, right, I want you to vision yourself in that chambers. I want you to vision yourself in that courtroom. I want you to vision yourself in doing whatever it is that's making you nervous or, or uncomfortable or where that inner critic is, is really noisy. And I want you to vision yourself doing really well. I want you to vision what you're wearing. I want you to vision where people are sitting. I want you to vision what, what you're tasting, what you're feeling, what you're smelling. So all those wonderful senses. Mm-hmm. And really, really vision yourself being successful mm-hmm. at whatever it is that you're about to attempt. Yes. Yeah. And as I said, actors, athletes do it all the time. And it's a really, really great technique and spend time doing it so that when you're in that situation, you stand there and you think, you know what? I've got this. Mm. I've so got this. Yeah. I have heard it as visualization. Same, exact same same thing. And I come from a sport background and we talk about it all the time. Visualize it, visualize yourself doing something great, visualize winning. Because if you've seen it once, when it comes around to it happening, you won't be surprised by it. Absolutely. Mm. Whereas if you're in it and it's the first time you've been there, you might be like, oh my God, and freak out. So, and I did it for the pupillage interviews. I visualized the rooms. Yep. I Googled what the interview rooms might look like so I could actually visualize where I might sit. Yeah. And same with us in court or in an important meeting, visualize what you're doing. Think about how it will go. Think about what could go wrong so that if something does, you have thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really important. Yeah. Because if we plan for the unexpected, if it happens, we can cope. Mm. And the challenge is that if we're not feeling, if we've got self-doubt and we're fear, that could be the point where we crumble yeah. because we haven't thought about the unexpected. Yeah. So your laptop breaks. Absolutely. You, know, you yeah. drop something really important Absolutely. that you might have needed. Spill what coffee would you do? <laughs> yeah, really important. Yeah. I promise you that absolutely works. And again, yeah. I had a, a client who works in a law firm. She had a very big tender presentation coming up and she was leading it. And she was she's always typically physically sick before she presents. Mm-hmm. She can't eat, she can't sleep. So did a lot of work with her on visioning what it was going to look like when she led that tender and yeah. and they won the work. And and she just said, you know what? That was one of the best things I've ever done yeah. is, is the visioning. I thought at the start, mm, is this a bit American? <laughs> no, it absolutely works. Yeah. Could I ask Fiona on that point? Because I do tend to do something similar, but my problem is I catastrophize. <laughs> So when I'm visualizing, my brain goes to the worst case scenario, which isn't always helpful. Uh And I can then sort of spiral a little (laughs) bit. So do you have any tips about how to sort of keep it from going that way? Yeah. So it actually leads into tip number four, Ah. which is I would use a breathing technique at that moment. Because what you want to do, because you're trying to tap into that inner coach, but what you're identifying is the inner critic is you want to change the space and you want to change the space in your mind. So if it's possible, walk out the room and go outside mm-hmm. if that's possible. If not, I would encourage you to do the three, four, five breaths. So that's in for three, you hold for four, and then you release through the mouth for five. So through your nose, 
for three, hold for four, and then release through five. And if you can do that for a minute, what you find is that that just gives you a breath and that just gives you a moment. Mm. And you can say to yourself, come on, Isabel, you know this, you've got this, right? What's the first step I can take to move this forward in a positive way? And how much is a minute really out of our day? If we can spend a minute doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really, really really good um, pair of tips there. So thank you. That's okay. I mean, one of the things I've said to clients is if you, you know, if you're nervous about something, just go to the loo and sit on the loo and do your breathing for a Mm. minute and you will feel different. Mm. You, You will feel different. I think the other thing as well, Isabel, to help you is, is about perspective. Yeah. So again, what you're describing is it might feel like you've lost perspective and, and everything's kind of spiraling a little bit out of control for you. And again, what I would say to you is ask yourself the question, will this matter in an hour? Will this matter in a day? Will this matter in a week? Will it matter in a month? And will it matter in a year? And most of the time, it won't. Yeah. As Prof Peters describes it, it's tiddlywinks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Fiona, I think it's also quite important to sort of touch upon, I know we've already said that you can pick up on sort of a spectrum of imposter syndrome feeling that, that you're part of the different types. But if you're really feeling like you are completely debilitated in your mm. imposter syndrome, you're struggling at work, you're really struggling to get, you know, force out the catastrophizing brain voice yeah. and sort of get to a place where you can be working on these things. What, what do you think you would recommend for those people? Um, well, first of all, and a shameless plug really, but I would say hire an executive coach, mm. hire someone who understands your context, hire someone who can help you ask them, have you had experience of working with people before who, who, have, it, who have worked with you on imposter syndrome? Mm-hmm. How have you made a difference to them? And any executive coach should be able and would be able to answer them very clearly and even say, here's a couple of clients you can phone to get testimonials. Okay. Because sometimes you've done everything you can, but it's just not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And again, I always think with an executive coach, they're your cheerleader. Right. They're the people who are going to come along and they're going to go, do you know what? You have got this. You can do this. And together I'll help you support and support you to mm. do that. Okay. Um, so I would say that. I'd also say, you know, if it's impacting your mental health, mm. then you might want to engage in some counselling, some psychotherapy or yeah. some CBT is also incredibly helpful as well. Yeah. And again, I've met clients where I've said to them, actually, you don't need coaching. You need something before that. Yeah. So counselling or CBT. Right. I, I have a couple of friends of mine who are psychotherapists and they might have three or four sessions with the psychotherapist and then they might come to coaching a little bit right. later. Yeah. And that goes back to the interplay between yeah. anxiety yeah. and imposter syndrome. And if, you know, you are suffering with anxiety, that's a separate issue. Although there is an interplay, yeah. you will need to deal with the anxiety yeah. absolutely. sort of first, won't you? Yeah, yeah. there's absolutely. layers. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as I referred to in the first episode, have a think about the prescription that you want to write for yourself mm-hmm. because you, are, you have control. You have control and you can do certain things that will help you. Even just a simple thing like having a really positive morning routine if your morning starts off badly, 
chances are the date yes. isn't going to go quite well. Yeah. But the morning routine that I have, for example, is I don't switch my phone until half seven and I get up, I make myself a cup of tea. I usually take it back to bed. I might do some reading. I might listen to a podcast. Yeah. And so I have a really gentle start to the morning before the chaos ensues. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. All right. That might be a really good place for us to have a little break and hear about what is coming up on Family Law and More in the next episode. On the next episode of Family Law and More, we will be welcoming Dr. Kate Helene, a consultant chartered clinical psychologist to talk about the hot topics in family law and psychology. Subscribe so you don't miss out. Right. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Fiona, for being with us still. Um, I would love to sort of continue our conversation now about what I would sort of call confidence work and how that can interplay with imposter syndrome. We sort of previously touched upon visualization, which is definitely one of the chips and techniques of confidence work. But do you think that there's a good middle ground between the two or what are your thoughts on, on confidence work and imposter syndrome? I'd say with confidence, the first thing I'd say about it is it goes up as well as down. So sometimes clients will say to me, I used to be really confident and I seem to have lost it. And actually it's okay. Well, let's explore that. Let's have a look and see what's changed, what's happened. Maybe their context is different and why they feel that they might have lost some confidence somewhere along the way. I'd also tap into their belief system and say, what beliefs do you have about yourself and what beliefs did you have about yourself then? versus now, because sometimes, again, we're very good at self-sabotage. And so our belief system, it can be out of date. And the way I describe that to clients is it's like, if I gave you a map of Liverpool and it was 10 years out of date, you'd really struggle to find your way around this city. Yeah. But if I give you an up-to-date map, you can find the places and where you want to go. So sometimes the beliefs that we have from even early childhood are not the beliefs that we need now as we approach or into adulthood and perhaps, you know, working in, in, in the legal. So I'll always say to a client, give me an example of a belief that you have. How's that impacting your confidence in a negative way? And do you want to work on that belief and think about changing that, that script? Mm, Yeah. And so, as I said, it's like having a map that's, that's 10 years out of date. Mm. It's no longer serving you. So let's have a look at belief systems that will impact you, change those belief systems, but give you the confidence to then do what you want to do and do what you need to do. Mm. And I don't, I don't know about you, Isabel, but I'll often sort of get a comment saying, oh, you're really confident. And I can feel it in some areas of my life. And then I'm not confident in other areas of my life massively. Mm. So it just is sort of weird to me that, you know, it, it matters what you're talking about, whether or not you feel like you've got confidence in that area at that time. Yeah. So it's, it really fluctuates. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's probably really common. I've got a bit of a performing arts background. So if you put me on the stage, (laughs) I'm so at home, but I also get so, so nervous for exams, for, Mm -hmm. you know, tricky cases for a lot of things. And so I come across as very confident to a lot of people, but little do they know that's only in some areas. So it's comforting to hear that that's not just me and it's not just you, Bella. And I I think in this job as well, especially when you're in your first few years, 
you do get a lot of confidence knocks Mm. because you might be going up against someone who is 20 years more experienced (laughs) and senior. In fact, the whole front bench might be 20 years more experienced than you. And yet you're in there on your own. You've got a client relying on you. Mm. And things like that can knock your confidence Mm. if you don't feel that you have the same knowledge or experience or skills as the other advocates. So I think it's about confidence building, but also resilience mm. yeah. and, mm. and, and sort of riding the wave in a way. Yeah. And knowing that just because you might have the odd bad day in the office, yeah. is it really a bad day in the office? Or are you just doing the best you can yeah. given your experience and the stage that you're at? Absolutely. And we are only human after all. And we do make mistakes. And in fact, a failure, as we all know, means that we become better. You yeah. know, we learn from our mistakes. And I think just listening to what you said there, Isabel, one of my favourite quotes is, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I always say to my clients, don't compare your inside to other people's outside. And Oh, that's very good. Yeah, because social media as well, in particular, when we engage with it, yeah. Everybody Mm. presents this perfect life and that's not reality for any of us. Mm -hmm. So don't compare your inside to other people's outside is is something I would really encourage your listeners to take away from this. Great. Absolutely. So we do have some resources that Fiona has very helpfully gathered together for us. And we also have some from our researcher, Alicia Tax. So thank you, Alicia. Um, all of the resources will be listed in the show notes for today's episode. But Fiona, do you have any in particular that you want to highlight on the episode? There's a couple of talking books that I would, um, you know, you can obviously read them or, or listen to them. I, I do both. I love books. I think they're just such a great source of, of yeah. knowledge. And the one I definitely recommend is Imposter Cure by Dr. Jessamay Hibbard. <laughs> and it's brilliant. And it, it covers a lot of the areas that we've talked about today, but goes into a lot more detail. I'm also a massive fan of Professor Steve Peters. You may know his book, The Chimp Paradox. And I just love Prof Peters. Everything he does and he yeah. says is absolutely spot on. And I'd encourage everyone, if I had to take a book on a desert island, it, it would be The Chimp Paradox. No. <laughs> well, on that note, um, <laughs> it's now time for our little roll the dice game. Bella's going to do it today. So let's see what she rolls. Roll that dice. Go on, Bella. Okay. Bubble bath and beer. So, Bella, what is your bubble bath and beer? Or in other words, how do you wind down after a tough day? <laughs> so I um, I think it's really important to lean in when you've had a bad day to something that makes you feel better. And um, depending on the mood, if I'm feeling pretty sort of like high level anxiety, I want to work that out. So I'd probably go to the gym, but more importantly, go to the sauna. <laughs> after the gym and, um, and then, uh, go home and, um, have something nice to eat and, you know, leave my phone, not with me on the sofa so I can have a bit of time not reading my emails and just sort of unplugged. But I do, I mean, bubble bath and beer was my add to the dice. So I think probably bubble bath and beer might be my other answer. <laughs> not bubble bath in beer as we were laughing about earlier, but yeah, those would probably be my unwind at the end of the day. Great. 
Well, thank you so much, Fiona. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, sharing all your wisdom with us. Fiona has a website if you want to check that out. Yeah, yeah. So um, the website is www.theinsightfulcoach.co.uk. I am based in Liverpool, but obviously, as we all know, I do remote and, and online. Sorry, I do online. And um, one of my favourite ways to work with clients is walk and talks. Oh, so great. when you walk, you talk. Absolutely. And so quite often in the Northwest, I'll travel or the client will meet me halfway and we'll do a two hour walk and talk session. And um, there's nothing better than being outside. Yeah. Rain, you know, weather permitting. <laughs> um, and again, I'm a big advocate of if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, just five minutes outside in nature can can really make a difference. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Fiona. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, And also thank you to our researcher, Alicia Tax. And if you want to hear more from Family Law and more, and we've got some really exciting episodes coming up, then please subscribe on any major podcast platform and leave a review. And we're also on all major social media platforms. So come give us a follow and we encourage you to send in any suggestions or ideas you have. All right. See you next time. Bye.